Good morning and welcome to the Vine Community Church. It's great that you're with us. You're incredibly welcome, whether you're used to worshipping with us when we were here in the building or whether you've discovered us online and are trying us for the first or the second time. Welcome. Now we're going to join together in some worship, so if you can, please stand and let's worship our God. Did you know that over 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by oceans? Less than 30% of it is land. And of that 30%, about a third of it is mountainous terrain or vast areas of tundra or ice, glaciers and desert. That means that only about 20% of the land is inhabitable. The other 80% is uninhabitable wilderness. The Pacific Ocean itself covers almost 9 million square kilometres and yet God made the world it is in exactly the way it is. That should tip us off really that he's got a purpose and a plan for the wilderness. He's got a place for the wilderness to play out in the balance of this world and in the way we live our lives. See, the wilderness is a place where things are stripped away, where we're forced into survival mode. It's often seen as a place where God refines people. Why am I talking about wilderness? Well, that's where we find ourselves. At this time where things are not as we would normally expect them to be, at this time when we can't meet together as freely as we can, would like, even though there are some restrictions being lifted in lockdown, we still find ourselves in a wilderness position, in a position where God is speaking to us, to refine us, to challenge us. Today, I want to take a look at the beginning of the book of Joshua. And that's the story of a nation of people coming out of a wilderness journey. A wilderness journey that has lasted 40 years in which the whole previous generation of people had died. Fortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case in this wilderness. But then, back in Joshua's day, the grandparents and even many of the parents had died. And that was necessary because of their disobedience. God had decreed that they would not inhabit the promised land. And because of that, they'd been walking around in this wilderness region for 40 plus years. It was their children, the next generation, who were to come out of the wilderness. You know, wilderness can be a physical place. It can be terrain like the mountains. Um, a few weeks ago, we spent some time in Derbyshire. We, we climbed up um, Kinder Scout, technically a mountain, if only by a mere 23 metres. 
But the terrain was very difficult. It was not terrain that we felt we could live on easily. It was rocky, it was boggy, it was steep. There was little in the way of clean water in parts of it. It was incredibly exposed. We were fortunate. We were exposed to the sun. We got a little bit sunburned. But I've been there in a winter. I've been there in a winter when it's been exposed to high winds, to snow, to ice. It can be an unpleasant place. But the wilderness can also be something that we experience within ourselves. It can be living in a long period of dryness or darkness or sorrow. It can be a place where we feel we can't cope. And I know for many, this time uh, that we've been experiencing through this time of coronavirus has been like that. People have been isolated. They've not been able to gather with their friends. They've not been able to gather with the church. They found it difficult to connect with God. And, and by no means is that everybody. I know some people have, 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 have thrived in this this peace, this stillness, they've, they've absolutely got to grips with the heart of God because they've been able to spend time in his word. But that's not the case for everybody. And actually, I don't think it's the case for the church. Although God's been speaking to many of us, uh, both, both individuals and across churches, um, that the church leaders have been coming together and we've been, we've been experiencing very similar uh, calls to us for, from the heart of God. I think this has been a wilderness time for us in the church. Although we've been able to say, well, we've reached this many people online and, and it's amazing that we have, I really miss being one-to-one, face-to-face talking to people. I really miss those times when we pray and we've prayed online, I know, but I've missed being able to come and, and just put a hand on somebody as we pray, to be in that space that they're in as we bring their issues before God or as we celebrate before God. This is a time of wilderness that um, has been some positive elements, but many negative too. You know, Jesus knew something about both the spiritual wilderness and the physical wilderness. You'll remember that Jesus spent some time in the wilderness where Satan tempted him with some offers of gaining power and taking his own plan rather than God's plan. We know that he spent time without food, so he would have known the hardship of the physical wilderness. But there's something about wilderness that changes people. You'll often hear tale of stories of people that have survived wilderness experiences, maybe trapped in a forest or a jungle or stranded on the ice, and how that's changed them, how they've come out of that different per person. Well, the same is true for spiritual wilderness. We only have to look again at Jesus, how he went into the desert in one way and was tempted, but he came through that and became more in tune with God's plan than ever. I think the same is true now. 
as we're going through this time where coronavirus is preventing us doing things, we're very often looking to get back to the normal, to get back to how it was. But I'm not sure that's what God is asking us to do. I think God's asking us to take stock in this wilderness period and to listen to him, to spend time in prayer, to spend time talking to others, to listen to the prophecies that are being given and to take stock about what makes church, what makes us believers, what we can do to be true followers. I think God is calling us to a point in this wilderness experience where he wants to take us out of the wilderness and into the next land, into the next phase. But to do that, we need to recognize that there is a new phase. There's a new land. We're not going to go back to inhabit the old land. See, when we look at the book of Joshua... We see a people that were slaves in Egypt for around 400 years. We're seeing a people led by Moses out of captivity into freedom. You know, some call this the most redemptive event of the Old Testament. The redeeming of an entire people, the people of Israel from slavery of Egypt. They were redeemed, brought out and set free from captivity and they set course for the promised land. The problem was, though, they messed it up when they got to the border of the promised land. They got to the border of the promised land after, after uh, walking through the wilderness, and instead of entering into the promised land, they looked at the challenges ahead. They looked at how it was difficult in the wilderness, and how they would have been better off back in the old world. And because of that, they stopped following God, they stayed, they turned to idols, and they lost their faith and their trust in God Almighty. They messed up. And because they would not trust God at that, that, that pivotal moment as they were about to enter the promised land, they wandered for the next 40 years in the wilderness. Do you know, I think it's no different for us. I think there are so many times that we are about to step into something new and we don't trust God the way that we need to. And because we don't trust God, because we, we focus on the old ways, the comfortable ways, the ways that it's always been, the traditions, the habits, the structures... I think sometimes we miss out on the new move of God. And because we miss out, we end up wallowing back in those old ways. Now, I'm not saying that those old ways are entirely bad. You know, there's many churches that, that, that do very well and have done very well in the same setting for, for a great period of time. But I do wonder whether they're settling for what they know and what is good rather than what they don't know and what is best. We can find ourselves in the long and twisting paths of wilderness in which God continually refines us, prepares us, and then invites us to leave the wilderness. 
So what will it take to leave the wilderness? Let's read Joshua 1 as we begin to unpick some of the lessons that we can draw from that. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Then you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. There's quite a lot in that passage, but I think we start with the very fact that they were able to take the new promised land because they'd spent 40 years in the desert being obedient. The ancestors had not been obedient. They'd listened to God and they'd still turned away and gone back to idols. And because of that, they couldn't enter the promised land. The generation of Joshua, on the other hand, had lived through that time of wandering, of waiting, and they had been obedient. Obedience is God's love language. The more we hear his voice, the more we listen to him and do his will, we're obedient to his calling the more we step into the promised land. Now, I've got to be really clear, this is not obedience as in you always turn up at church on a Sunday, although that would be good, or you always come along on, on a Wednesday to, to our midweek group and, and you'll have read the Bible passage. If there's been a Bible passage, you take part in the, in the, the discussion. That's not the obedience. 
The obedience is hearing the call of God. And despite how it may seem, despite our fear, despite our uncertainty, we step into it. We're obedient when God calls us. We've spent the last few weeks looking at the, the fruits of the Spirit. We've spent the last few weeks looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Listening to the spiritual voice of God. Taking on the, those, those fruits as characteristics and and working with the gifts as they're given us helps us to step into that promised land when we're obedient to God. I think the next clue to leaving the, the wilderness period, and this is very apt for us now, is that in order to leave the wilderness, we have to stop following and start leading. You see, Joshua had been Moses' assistant. He'd spent you know, the best part of 40 years doing that. That's pretty much a whole career. He'd taken his cues from Moses. He'd been loyal when others weren't. He'd learned obedience and patience and, and faith in Moses and through Moses. He'd heard Moses speak about God, about who God is and what God sought in Moses' life. Joshua was an excellent follower. He not only learned from Moses, but had been prepared by Moses. He was an apprentice. Joseph, uh, Moses was his mentor. Someone who taught, encouraged, challenged, and probably corrected Joshua. That is our walk as disciples. We need to follow Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to be taught and corrected, both by him and by each other. But when the time comes, when God calls us, when God puts something on our lives, we need to step out of being followers and become leaders for God. The great commission that Jesus gave was exactly that. It was about us going out and making disciples. And that's what we mean by leading. Taking the lead, taking the message of God out and bringing on other people. Some of you would have thought that this is leadership, standing at the front, in front of an empty room and a, and a video camera in this case. And it is to a degree but personal leadership of taking our walk with Jesus into the world, speaking to others, encouraging them and helping them to grow just as Moses helped Joshua to grow is how we lead. That is probably a higher level of leadership than anybody that stands on a podium or at a lectern. It is so important that we follow and then we lead. It is that step that makes our faith stronger and helps us to grow more as Christians. We need to transition every day from following Jesus to leading in his work. 
I'd actually go a bit further than that. I'd say we actually need to transition moment by moment from following Jesus to leading in taking Jesus to the people around us. Stepping into that point of leading, stepping into that point of stepping out and doing something new is not always easy. There will be barriers in the way. And I think that's key when we, we talk about leaving wilderness positions. There will always be barriers to cross. Sometimes if in, a, in a physical wilderness, that barrier will be a physical barrier. It may be a river or a fence line or a cliff edge. In our own lives, though, those, those barriers can often be the barriers that we raise inside ourselves. The barriers of fear, the barriers of doubt, the barriers of, of our own reputation. And I don't mean the good reputation that we should carry as Christians. I mean, we get so scared about what people will think of us that we put that as a barrier between us stepping out for God. You know, I think the same was true with Joshua. He would have spent those 40 years being prepared by Moses. He would have spent them in Moses' shadow. And all of a sudden, he's got to step up and take the lead. I'm sure that Joshua probably had those same nagging doubts of, can I do this? Is that really God speaking to me? Am I able to lead these people? And I think that's why God speaks very clearly to Joshua and says, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. The Jordan at the time was in full flood. It was a massive physical barrier. But I also think it represented that emotional barrier that Joshua would have had of stepping up instead of being a follower of Moses to become a leader of those people. There was also territorial barriers for, jo for, for Joshua. The fact that he'd got to go into other people's lands, um, lands that were presently occupied. That's a really interesting one for us when we start to step out. I can't possibly create something for the church. Somebody else does that and they're really good at it. If God's put the call for you to do something, even if there's somebody else doing it, God sees a plan for both of you. Either a plan for you to work in the same field or even a plan to replace one with the other. We should never let the inhabiting of an area stop us. A few weeks ago, it was announced that uh, a new church is going to be planted in Lincoln, and it was quite, quite interesting to see some of the comments that, that were appearing on Facebook um, about some people going, well, why do we need another one? Well, we need another one because the ones that we've got are not meeting the needs of every people. They're stepping out into a territory that's inhabited and there's a space for them in God's plan. Uh, I'd just like to say that, that those comments were not from any of the church leaders. 
the, the church leaders all saw the, the, the harvest field being ready for harvest and being vast, and we need as many workers as we can get. But it is difficult to step out of the wilderness into a land that is already inhabited. People inhabiting a space, barriers for us to get into things, create fear. I once remember being um, in an outward bound setting. It was in Aberdovey in Wales. I was with uh, a group of, of kids when I was teaching. Um, and I'd gone on, on a high ropes course. If you've ever been to somewhere like Go Ape, you'll know the sort of things that I'm, I mean. Um, except it was a little bit more rustic and rural in Aberdovey. Um, and I got to a space where I had to jump between two platforms. Those platforms were probably this far apart, so, so a little bit wider than, than this lectern. And, and, you know, to be quite honest, I can step that far. Um, the distance wasn't the barrier. Um, they were also not leveled. One was slightly higher than the other, so I was having to step up, probably about, I don't know, 12 inches. Um, you won't see this on the camera, I don't think, but I can certainly step 12 inches in the air. So the barrier that I had to face wasn't physically difficult. Um, it was steppable. It was step upable. The only problem was... It was about 40 foot in the air in a tree. And I, in my head, had put a physical barrier there, a barrier of fear, a barrier that said, despite the fact I can know I can do this, despite the fact I'm equipped to do this with the safety equipment, the fear is stopping me doing it. That sort of barrier is the sort of barrier I think many of us face in our lives when God calls us to step out and do something. And I, that example, I think, is really good because in that example, I was able and equipped but afraid. I think that there's people uh, in this church listening to this message that God's put a calling on your life to do something and that it could well just be go and talk to the person next door that you are able to do, that you are equipped to do, but you are afraid to do. And I think God is saying to you at this time, very similar to what he said to, to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be bold. I've equipped you. I've made you able I'll empower you with the Holy Spirit as you need it. But you've got to step up and step across. You know, God said to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you. And all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I think he said that to enable Joshua to get past that fear. And I think God has that same message for each of us. We just need to trust in him. We just need to see beyond the barrier and into the promised land. We need to have the faith 
to help us overcome fear. As God will not forsake us nor leave us. And faith, after all, is a gift. So we should ask God for that gift. In order for us to leave a wilderness place, we need a plan. We need a guide. And that's the next secret to moving out of this wilderness time for us. We need to commit ourselves to God's plan. You know, three times in verses 6, 7, and 9, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. So let's not forget at this time that Joshua was a warrior. He was proven in battle. So why did God need to repeat this three times? Well, I think Joshua would have been quite all right at risking his own life but I think he was concerned about the people that God would bring with him. The lives of the hundreds of thousands of people he'd been entrusted with. I think he feared failure and he feared not being able to cope in this new land. I think he needed God to remind him to hold on to the plan. I think he needed God to remind him to, that whatever shortcomings he thought he may have, God had got a plan that accounted for them and would use them to do something amazing. It was almost as if in these statements of, I will always be with you, I will not forsake you, no man shall stand against you, be strong and courageous. God was putting that plan in Joshua's hand like a map. And he was saying to Joshua, right Joshua, do you see where you are? Do you see where you're going to? Do you see which path to follow? Keep this map in your hand at all times. And when you don't know where to go, Look and you will see. You know, Joshua needed to commit to the plan. He needed to, to determine the route he was going to take and resolve to accomplish the next steps of conquering the next part of the land. He needed to constantly refer back to that plan. And I think the same is true with us. I'm really keen that as lockdown um, lifts, we, we move on to do something both as we did, because I think there were some good things in what we did, but also some new things, some new things that God is bringing us into. Uh, and I think we all need to come back to God's plan and we need to keep looking at that map. And what do I mean by that? I think we need to spend some time in prayer. We're starting to get little glimpses of what God is opening up for his church across this city, this region, this nation. We need to keep ourselves in his scripture, coming back and reading it through, meditating on it, learning about how it, how it impacts on our current situation. The written word was crucial for setting direction in the wilderness for Joshua. And Joshua used that to plan his ways. 
The command to be strong and of good courage or courageous was an essential command to trust God and let God be his strength, to allow God to be the source of his confidence. It was about Joshua putting aside his own plan and taking on God's. And I think we're being called to do the same. At this time where we've got plans of, well, as soon as lockdown's over, we can get back to do things. We can, we can do church in the normal way. We'll set it up over here like this. God's saying, no, stop. Make me the source of your courage. Make me the source of your inspiration. Make me the source of your plan. And I will take you into it. We've got to hold on to God's plan. And I think in a lot of ways that looks a lot like repentance. It's about shifting the trust from ourselves and shifting the trust back onto the author of all things. It was the strength of God and the courage of God like a lion in Joshua that took him to tell the people that in three days we're going to break the camp. In three days, we're going to leave the wilderness and cross this impossible barrier, the flooded Jordan, and be God's almighty army to take the land. In three days, they left the camp and moved into the rest of the plan that God had for them. They moved into a place beyond the wilderness, a place where God had decreed they would flourish. The chapter closes, and we didn't read to the end, with the people now saying to Joshua the very thing that God had said three times. Be strong and be courageous. I think the call on us at the moment is that. I'd love to say in three days we're going to break the wilderness and we're going to do something new. I can't say that. But I do believe God is calling us to be strong and be courageous. I do believe that God is putting this directly on us as we plan for the new peace. Andrew Murray posted something a few weeks ago and he said this Andrew said over the past three months the church has modelled Jesus the lamb Jesus the pastor Jesus the teacher but now we must model Jesus the lion Jesus the prophet Jesus the evangelist and Jesus the apostle I think in order for us to do that we're being called to follow God's plan, but we're being called to follow it in a way where we're being called to be strong and be courageous. We're being called to see how we're to emerge from this wilderness and we're being called to emerge into a new land, a new season. While we're keen to move back to our meetings, 
It's important that we do not let ourselves be left in the wasteland. Not the wasteland that was the lockdown, but the place we were before lockdown. A place where we may have been trapped in traditions or bad theology or insecurity or unforgiveness or that feed me, feed me attitude of passivity or an attitude of fear of failure, of busyness, of, of just getting through the events or of empire building, of competitiveness. We called as a church, and I mean that as individuals in this church, as a church as in the vine, and as a church as in a body of believers across this nation, to come out of this land by being obedient, listening to the call of God, by leading, by moving forward and doing new things, breaking from that passivity, breaking from a consumer culture. And we're being called to do what God is calling us to do by being strong and courageous and focusing on God's plan. And what is God calling us to do? I believe he's calling us to a point of unity. I believe he's calling us to a point of, of boldness to take the message into people's lives into a time when the spiritual hunger within this nation is increasing day by day. Jesus is the answer. And you and I are the people to carry that answer. I think we're being called, each of us, to step up and be part of this, to lead in it, to take our skills, our creativity, and do something whether that's musically as like Jane or whether that's in creating in videos and messages like, like Anne-Marie and, and, and Freya or, or Alice or, or, or whether it's, it's just being the friend to the person next door. That is what God is asking us to do, to not live a nice Christian life next door to people who never know, but to live a nice Christian life that impacts on the neighbours around us. We're called to love God first and then love our neighbours. We're called to take this message into the village we are in, the town, the city, the nation, and we are called to do that in boldness and power. And that's what I think God's got in store for us in this next phase. But we can only do that if we follow his plan. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that you make your plan really, really clear to us. I ask that you speak through your prophets, that you speak through dreams and visions, that you, you make each of us, when we are still with you, know what you have in store for us. Lord, I pray for your faith. I pray for the gift of faith for each of us, Lord, that we may step into this promised land, out of this wasteland, over whatever barriers there are. So I speak against, I speak against fear and failure. I speak against insecurity. And I, I just pray that that will be replaced by your Holy Spirit, giving us a boldness, that we shall be bold and courageous, safe in the knowledge that nothing can separate us from you, that you will not leave us nor forsake us, but you have put us in this place for a reason. Just as you have created this world in the shape and form that it is, with its wildernesses and its, its inhabitable good land, 
I want to thank you, Lord, that you refine us and you shape us into the people that you want us to be. So, Lord, I pray that we make ourselves available to your refining. We make ourselves available to you. And, Lord, I thank you that you chose us first. In Jesus' great name. I really believe God wants to do something amazing in each of our lives and I really believe he's got an amazing plan for us. But we need to be bold and courageous. I hope you can join us in the week. Um, we've got uh, prayer on, on a Sunday night with, with people from around the churches, which is, is absolutely fantastic. And we've got, uh, we've got a group on uh, Wednesday night where we're learning to uh, talk about Jesus, which is, is quite apt as we, as we uh, talk about that today. So until then, have a great day. May the Lord bless you. May he, you know his presence at every moment and may he fill your life with opportunities to step out and speak of him. Mm -hmm.